Oh yes, welcome back to the Long Distance Love Bombs podcast. I am your host, Dr. Jeremy Goldberg, and today's guest is a good one. It's my buddy Sean Galanos. This dude is fun. He has a good sense of humor. We are silly on this conversation. We laugh a lot, but we also dive deep into emotional intimacy, emotional wellness, emotional availability. We talk about relationships and communication and connection and honoring our truths and opening up intimately. It's a really good discussion, if I do say so myself. And also, at the end, Sean talks about a little bit of a interesting career that he had for a while as an erotic masseur, which I learned is a male masseuse. Lots of good stuff in here. Enjoy the podcast. And also, check out his podcast called The Love Drive. I was actually on it at the end of October. He's a good dude. Lots of interesting stuff on there. He also teaches uh, emotional wellness courses online, individually and with groups. He does coaching. Check him out at The Love Drive. And enjoy the episode. All right. Okay. Let's really, let's really do a podcast now. Cool. I got no notes. I'm just ready. I'm here. I ate a whole chocolate bar. So you're prepped. I'm prepped. Okay. So Sean Galanos. Yep. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, man. I'm pumped for this. This is gonna be fun. And, uh, I was just reading your bio on your website because I thought, you know, I should do a little bit of preparation for this. And you are totally, you're an interesting dude, my man. <laughs> you've, uh, you've had a, a diverse background and wealth of experiences. Let's say life has been fun and good to me. I had to actually Google a word in your bio that I'd never seen before. Which one? Uh, masseur. It's the male version of masseuse. Yeah, I learned that. But you, you, <laughs> you, you were in erotic masseur. That's right. And then, you know what? I had to Google that also. Yeah, you know what that is. Like, n- not real, not especially, but uh, I was like, I want to Google that. And I learned a couple things, but I, was, I flagged it as a point of discussion for, for this chat. I'm like, I want to, I want to learn more about this. Okay. If you're open to that. Oh, I mean, it's on my website, so. Yeah, I mean, that's fair enough. <laughs> it's in the public domain now. Yeah, but, um, okay, hang on. For, for those people listening that don't know Sean Galanos, like, who are you? What do you do? Obviously, you're, uh, you've got a... Anyway, who are you, man? My name is Sean, and I'm, uh, I'm a love coach. I'm a host of a podcast, just like you. Uh, it's called the love drive and it's a podcast on emotional wellness and intimacy. So I help people have more loving and connected relationships with themselves so that they can have it with other people. So you're a a love coach, love and intimacy coach. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to, I want to dive into that. And I also want to dive into the phrase of emotional availability. Sure. And emotional intimacy. Yeah, and wellness. And wellness. Okay. Emotional wellness. Yeah. Because I feel like you're, um, in reading your bio, you, uh, you mentioned being a hypersensitive human being that was always, like, quote unquote, too much for people. And you, had, you felt too deeply and you felt too much, et cetera. And you've kind of taken that, transformed it into a strength 
did some healing work and now you're using it as your purpose. Yeah. I'm trying to help people have uh, more clarity around what it means to be an emotional human being and what, what are, what are emotions at the very basic level? What, what's the breadth of the emotional human experience? And how do we deal with them in appropriate ways? And how do we communicate them? And how do we sit with them? And how do we welcome that part of our, our personality and our person, right? There's the emotional body, there's the physical body, the mental body. And emotions is just, we're not really taught how to deal with them. And we mm-hmm. deal with them in whatever way we've seen our folks deal with them or our role models or our family of origin or the people that are close to us. And there's no education when it comes to how to deal with your emotions. Usually it's you deal with them as best as you can. And sometimes you do kind of a shitty job and oftentimes you blow up and then you have to go see a therapist because you, you don't know how to deal and you're affecting people negatively. So my work is really around helping people figure out what it is that they're feeling what's so important about that? Why are they feeling it? And how can they move forward welcoming just the whole gamut of emotions? Okay. So like, how the hell do we do that, Sean? I just, I feel like just sitting back with a, with a bag of popcorn and being like, bro, just teach me all the things that you know, download. (laughs) I mean, how do we do that is really tricky, but I think number one is really getting curious about what's going on with us. Right. And we talked about this on the podcast. We talked about the, this idea that the mind shouts and the heart whispers, you know, and that really stuck with me because oftentimes I mean, I'll speak for myself. I don't slow down enough to figure out what's going on. Mm. And I fill my day with activities and work and people and sports. And I distract myself from, from what's happening underneath. And the, the thing with emotions is that they're going to come up. They're going to keep coming up until they're dealt with. And for a while, the distraction works. We can push them away. We can keep them at bay. You know, it's the, the whole analogy of like bottling them up. Well, eventually they explode. And you now my work is really about getting curious around what's happening, right? Like what, what is coming up for you? Why is it coming up for you? And sometimes the why, it doesn't even really matter. You know, I find myself sad at times. And instead of getting really focused on finding out why I'm sad, I just go, oh, okay, I'm sad. Mm. Um, you know, life is a series of waves and, and it's real fun when you're at the top of the wave. <laughs> when everything's going well and your relationships are awesome and you're, you know, you got a promotion at work and your, your confidence is, is banging. You don't really ask why when you're feeling amazing. But when you're in the bottom of the wave and your lady just broke up with you and you got passed up for a promotion again and, you know, that car drove by and splashed your pants, your new dockers and uh, your relationships are shitty with your parents, you know, then we're kind of stuck in the pits. And... The idea is that the shit just keeps coming, right? It's up and down, up and down, and we can we can just go through it 
distracting ourselves, not feeling the discomfort, or we can welcome all of those emotions and get curious about what, what the fuck's happening inside. And I'm curious about what's happening inside. And, you know, sometimes that answer to how do we develop that intimacy with ourselves is staying, being still long enough to, to experience that stuff. And also I hate to say it, hire a third party professional Mm. because if I'm the only person that's working with myself, I have an appalling lack of perspective about what's going on. I need to work with people. You know, I need to, I need to follow Instagram accounts that are positive and that, that make me think I probably need to hire a therapist or a coach to help me deal with some of my shit. And I need to continue to want to learn about what it means to be a human being, an emotional being in this life. Mm. Damn, that was good. How does that feel? Uh, Good. It's like, it feels a little nebulous sometimes actually, because emotions are nebulous. What do you mean by nebulous? I don't know if I use that word right. (laughs) (laughs) Hold on one sec. Are you going to just Google it? Yeah. We might as well. You know, like, let's, let's be, oh yeah. In the form of a cloud or haze or hazy. Yeah. Okay. All right. I stand by that. Yeah. Uh, The work isn't (laughs) super clear. So emotions are hazy at times. Emotions, emotions can be hazy and how to deal with them can be really hazy and unclear. Hmm. Why, why do you think that is? Because there's a lot, because there's a lot of multiple like right, overlapping. This is, yeah, this is this is kind of cool. Um, I had a therapist. His name is Dr. J. Talkoff, and I love that his name is Talkoff. <laughs> and uh, great man helped me get sober over ten years ago, and helped me really deal with a lot of my anger issues. I had a lot of anger issues at the time, and I just I didn't know that there was something between mildly annoying or annoyed and flying off the handle blind rage i didn't i didn't know that there was a whole spectrum of anger and we started getting really curious about what what's in between blind rage and mildly annoyed and turns out there's there's peeved there's ticked off there's angry there's fucking incense in, in, incensed mm-hmm. all right yeah that's a, that's a yeah. tough one that was good There's all sorts of different emotions and sometimes you can feel one emotion and then feel another one at the same time that is seemingly conflicting. Mm -hmm. And so that's hard to understand. How can I both be angry at you and love you at the same time? Right. And we talked about this, right? Dialectics, Mm -hmm. paradoxical. And he said, Mm -hmm. one of the signs of emotional maturity is being able to have multiple competing emotions at any one time. Right? The idea that I can hold multiple competing emotions about a person, place, or thing at any one time. If that's not nebulous, I don't know what is. Yeah, so that's a sign of emotional maturity. And it's also a sign of, like, crazy town. Yeah. Like, you are driving me cuckoo up a tree right now, and I desperately want to put my tongue in your mouth. Like, how how is this happening simultaneously? (laughs) I really love that feeling though. I haven't had that in a really long time of just being like in like just really fucking pissed at somebody, but then also 
I mean, I think that's where hate, hate fucking, I hate to say this, but and that's where that comes from, right? Mm. Like, how could you hate someone and want to make love with them at the same time? I mean, I'm not sure of the answer to that. I think it's beautiful. I think it's beautiful because growing up, a lot of us, I'm going to speak for others now, probably are used to the type of family structure in which your parents love you until you fuck up and then they hate you. But that's how it feels as a child. When really it's much more nuanced than that. Mm. It's, it's, I love you and I'm really angry that you broke the TV remote. I love you and I'm really disappointed that you stole money from me. And I don't know if we're that good at modeling that. Mm. wasn't perhaps, modeled for me yeah and perhaps that's another level of this emotional maturity that you just spoke of right of separating the behavior from the person right because i heard you say very specific examples of things that were done right yeah like you touched the tv remote you uh, were late for dinner you burnt the toast whatever so these are these are actions that are different than the actual person so i could still love you very intensely and i can also at the same time be very disappointed that you forgot to pick the kids up from school or whatever yeah that's disappointing yeah and it's probably disappointing for the kids too i mean those poor kids you know well nowadays they're just on their iphones playing fucking whatever kids play they're probably happy about it yeah they're stoked like oh this is great now i can look up porn when mom and dad are wherever they are Hmm. Anyway, so so Alexander Solomon describes this as simply both and, which I think is such a succinct and powerful way to look at this stuff. I can be both angry and happy. I can be both grieving and blissed out. I can be grateful and frustrated. And we're talking about having the sensitivity, the emotional sensitivity to be able to recognize Mm. exactly what you're feeling. I'm this and I'm that. And that's not easy to do. It's not easy to do. So how do you help people who have a hard time putting words to what they're feeling? Hmm. I mean, usually in a coaching context, it's a lot of exploration. Mm. You know, because I've heard it described before, for example, of um, like, tell me what's happening in your body. Like, do you feel hot? Do you feel cold? Do you feel nauseous? Like, what part of your body? Um, like, what do you feel like you need to do at this moment? Right. I always really struggled with that in therapy. You know, my therapist would be like, where do you feel that in your body? And that question actually made me really uncomfortable. Mm. It made me really uncomfortable. Because, because I didn't have the, the connection. I didn't have the emotional body connection. Mm. And I didn't really know what I was feeling. But I guess you're right. It does take an exploration. And it, you have to slow down and actually start putting words to feelings and sensations. And I don't know. There was a part of me that thought that the concept that I could feel an emotion as a sensation in my body, strange. I just found mm. it strange that that I was being asked to put words to how it felt in my body rather than just to say, I feel sad. 
And then for mm-hmm. my therapist to say, well, what does that feel like in your body? It was almost embarrassing. And I don't know why. Sometimes I just get em- embarrassed. And embarrassing now to me would feel like, uh, you know, a heat rising from my chest into my head, sort of mm-hmm. probably like a, a reddening and um, like a stiffening of my of my forehead and uh, probably some sweating, sweating behind the knees for sure. <laughs> and but before that oh, made me so man. uncomfortable to even just talk about that shit. Like, yeah, yeah. Why? W- what about having a physiological response to an emotion is uncomfortable? Probably because we never talk about it. Like we've all never had sweaty knees before. Dude, you know? the backs of the knees, that's what they do best. Yeah. I was, uh, this is a bit of a disgusting tangent, but nonetheless, uh, I was driving the other day with some, forget, oh, I, I know who it was, but they shall remain nameless, but let's just say they may have been on the podcast before. And we were talking about how, uh, you know, sometimes you go to fart and you're not entirely sure that it's just air that might come out, right? And we kind of laughed at you know that's a little bit gross or whatever but then we also wrapped this in this philosophical kind of bow which was like we've all done that like all of humanity we've all had a moment where we're like oh god this one this could go either way and recognizing that we all are these weird meat suits that make weird noises and we stink and we like have water pouring out of our skin and our eyeballs sometimes like it's just who we are and like the more that we can all recognize that I think the more powerful our connection could be. What do you think? Uh, yeah, we're meat suits. And also I think that we're really, 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 really concerned about what we look like and how we appear to other people. Mm. And I've sort of struggled with this recently. I'm on the other side of it, but there was a lot of things that I would external factors that I was getting my value as a human being from, right? So if I made a certain amount of money, then I was worth, I was worth, I was worthy of love basically. Mm -hmm. If I had a certain level of cleanliness in my apartment, then I felt good as a human being. If I looked good, if you thought I looked good, then I was worthy of love. If I had a cool looking girlfriend, Mm. then people would think I was cool and worthy of love. So a lot of emphasis placed on external validation for how I feel about myself internally. And that's really, really dangerous. It's really dangerous. And I guess what you're talking about is this idea that we're all humans and that we are sort of inherently flawed right? We fart and we cry and we do inappropriate things in inappropriate places. And we're just trying to keep it together. And it's really refreshing when we all realize that we're just all trying to keep it together. And that our value as human beings doesn't come from how much money we make, how hot our partner is, what kind of car we drive or how much, or how much money we make. Again, the money's really important. <laughs> it's worth saying twice. <laughs> The value comes from the fact that um, do we contribute in a meaningful way to to life and to this world? 
do we make this world a better place? And that doesn't mean that you need a big Instagram following to affect the most amount of people, but do you leave the world in a better place every day? Sort of like the campsite rule, you know, mm. leave it better than you found it. Yeah. And, do you have something that gets you out of bed in the morning? Yeah. Do you have and something that gets you out of bed in the morning? That's not a bunch of ones and zeros in a bank account. Hmm. Or something that you look forward to, I suppose. Because, like, sometimes I get out of bed in the morning to go to a spin class, for example, and I'm like, ugh, I hate my life. Ugh, my life is so hard. I have to remind myself that on the grand scheme, when you zoom out, like, we're all blessed. Like, I'm still here. Like, when we started talking this morning, and I was like, yeah, man, my heart's beating. I woke up. I got toes and fingers. Like, it's all good. What's really ridiculous about getting up early in the morning to go to spin class yeah. is that you're like getting up and you're, you're traveling across town. You're going to go lock yourself in a room yeah. and you're going to willingly mm -hmm. spin on a machine with other people yeah. and like bad yeah. techno music yep. pumping at 630 in the morning. Yeah, it's gross. It's gross where there are people that they're going to use that energy because they need to like make enough money to feed their family of 14. Mm -hmm. You're just going to a room in like a high priced gym. <laughs> yeah. The, the way that I look at this, Sean, is that my life is so comfortable that I have to pay someone to make me miserable. To yell at you. Like, is that not the definition of privilege? And, and so, so what right do we have to complain about spin class? Because spin class still sucks, man. It does. And, and so, I yes. dare you to put that person that's got five jobs and 14 kids in a spin class. And, and like, I bet that they don't like it either. Well, if you told them that that's all they had to do this today, they might <laughs> yeah. love the shit out of it. No, that's very true, man. And, and like, not to poke fun at other people's lives or my own perspective but i do think that it is highly amusing that oftentimes the thing that gives me the most pause the thing that i'm often complaining about is the most ridiculous blessing it's such a privilege it's a huge benefit for me because i get stronger and i you know feel healthier and i get to connect to all the people that are in the spin class also being miserable and we nod and smile and there's like community and i feel like i belong here's the I'm thing ranting. about here's the thing that's a baby rant and i'm upset that you even yeah. called it a rant okay <laughs> here's the thing about spin class it's that's it's that's an insult to rants yeah, you're right. Joe Rogan right. would be so upset with you right now. <laughs> here's, be a, later. here's the thing about spin class and working out in general. Yeah. Oftentimes, that is the hardest thing you will do all day. Mm -hmm. So just fucking do it because it's good for you. And you're a big fan of doing hard things. I am. Do hard things so that you can grow as a human being because we can't just stay stagnant. We can't not look at our emotions. We can't not look at our relationships. Our goal isn't to stay static. We're not meant to just stay static, but we live in a world that everything is meant for us to just scroll through your telephone and watch as much Netflix as possible until you go to bed so that you can do it again the next day.
And what you're talking about is, is stretching, is extending yourself, doing things that you do not have to do. No one's forcing you to go to spin class. No. And going to spin class, what time do you go? I mean, like 9 a.m. What is the, nine? That's not even hard. It's, it's not even hard. There's a 5 a.m. spin class. Those yeah. are the real, those are badasses. Yeah. Oh, I, I agree. I am like, I am hardly a badass. Also, I'm like the, the guy that goes to like the nice spin class at the very convenient time and still whines about it. Well, this is also coming from someone who does not go to spin class. So I'm talking hey, shit about you. Have and I don't go been? to spin class. I have. Yeah, I, ha- I, I hate it. <laughs> I, re- I refuse to go to spin class. But well, do you do hard things? I do hard things. Yeah, I do hard what things. What are the hard things that you do? Well, I just started a, a body weight calisthenics routine in my apartment. Cool. So I have a pull-up bar. Now I have rings. I have dip bars. And I do a bunch of like pistols and one-legged squats and L-sits and pull-ups with with the LSIT, LSIT pull-ups and all that shit. Mm. Uh, But here's the thing. Yeah. Going to spin class or doing anything hard, looking at your emotions, learning new skills, going for that promotion at work, doing shit that is hard, doing hard shit on a regular basis builds discipline. Mm -hmm. And we all need to be more disciplined. There's a lack of discipline in, in, in our lives. And I'm speaking holistically here. We all can, could cultivate more discipline. I 100% agree. And I would add to that that I believe that discipline creates identity. And so if I can't get my ass out of bed and get to a spin class, like how am I ever going to trust myself enough to have the vulnerable conversation with my partner, to express something I don't really want to express to people that I care about, etc. Like it's all connected. It's all doing hard things. It's all staying on your edge, being uncomfortable, etc. Like there's a there's a link between all of it. It's all training. It's all training. And the thing about training, the more you do it, the better you are at it. Mm-hmm. And then you've mm-hmm. mastered that piece of whatever it is that you're working on, right? The work, whatever the work is for you in your life. Then you can move on to the next area of your life. Mm-hmm. And, and I also want to recognize that there has to be time for rest. You know, we're talking right now about doing, doing the hard work and, and the, the discipline. Mm-hmm. All of that needs rest in order for us to integrate the, the learnings and, and the hard work that we're doing. We can't just work all the time. There has to be play. And I'm a big fan of play and it can't just all be play, right? Some people work so hard. They, they need the work for them is to slow down. Some people are so slow. The work for them is to maybe speed up every now and then though. Mm -hmm. I want to be careful because I really do value slowness. I think less is more. I think we all need to slow down because we live in a hyper productive world that values hyper productivity and, and hyper productivity. Um, is often at the detriment of the soul and the heart Mm. because ultimately we, we all need to relax a little bit more and we need to soften. So it's, this is, this is dialectics. This is both. And this is paradoxical. How are we talking about do hard shit? And at the same time, you need to take care of yourself. Yeah. And for some people listening right now, relaxation might be that hard shit. 
they might be thinking like, I can't sleep in. That feels like the hardest thing for me. I, I can't take a day off. I can't take a bath. That, that might be the hard work that they need to lean into, totally. ironically, <laughs> right? And the way I've heard it described was, uh, I think it was Lauren Zander described it as, you know, there's kind of two kinds of people that she works with. Some people need to be tightened in terms of discipline, habits, rituals, structure, and then other people need to be loosened. So they need more self-care, relaxation, rest, etc. And so I think both can feel difficult if you're used to only doing one of those. Does that make sense? Yeah, of course. I mean, that's beautiful. Oh, okay. <laughs> Good, okay. You were just looking at me funny, and I'm like, this is, am I, I don't know, is it, yeah. Yeah, it totally makes sense. And, and my work as a coach is to figure out what what does my client need? And oftentimes they know what they need, right? I don't yeah. pretend to have a, a one plan answer to everybody that I work with. Yeah. So maybe let's, do you want to chat about emotional intimacy and wellness and availability? Yeah. Or do you want to talk about erotic massage? You pick. Um, you know what? Let's just, let's save the erotic massage for some kind of a happy ending, you know, of the podcast. Oh, let's just save it. Save it to the end. Wow. Yeah, that was really good. <laughs> I don't, I don't have anything to follow up with what, because what it was so. It, it was so. I mean, I mean, sometimes it's hard it's, to tell whether it's low hanging fruit or it's actually really, really high, yeah. tall, beautiful fruit. Yeah. Well, well, let's just save the erotic massage till the end. We'll let your listeners um, yeah. figure it out. Okay. Yes. How yeah. can I help? So that's my favorite. <laughs> That's my favorite question, by the way. How can I help? How can I help? Yeah, I think it's a really okay, beautiful so, question. Okay, so a, a recurring theme through all of the personal development work that I've done, the friends that I have, the podcast that I've hosted, we talk about emotions and vulnerability and intimacy and a lot of other buzzwords around this in terms of creating a better life, creating better relationships, etc. And so I'm I'm intrigued by digging into exactly what that is exactly what that means like what do you actually need to do to get that stuff and so in terms of dating an emotionally available person or cultivating emotional intimacy like what even is that how do you do it it's interesting if you look up emotional availability on the internet all you'll see are blogs about dating emotionally unavailable people. There's very little content and research about what it means to be emotionally available. So I don't have a agreed definition of emotional availability, but what I think it is and how I see it is being available to the whole, to the breadth of your emotional experience, being able to hold space, for someone else's emotional experience without letting it disrupt your own state too much because it's really hard not mm -hmm. to be affected. In terms of what does it mean to be emotionally available, I think it means being present for what is in terms of what is with your partner or whoever the relationship is, you know, whoever you're having a relationship with. Uh, what's present for them, what's present for you, what comes up, when you hold space for somebody, for somebody's emotions. 
emotional availability to me is being stable, consistent, oh, reliable, open, willing to discuss, willing to sit with discomfort. I mean, a, a lot of it is willing to sit with discomfort because watching somebody have an emotional experience can be really uncomfortable. And we also place a lot of negative attributes to emotions, right? Mm -hmm. Like jealousy. Jealousy is one of those things that people really don't, they dislike. They dislike it as an emotion. They dislike seeing it in other people. It's ugly. That's, that's how it's often described. But really, it's not. It's, it's information about how somebody's experiencing life or relationship mm -hmm. or a situation. So it's really just, it's really just about being present for what's going on for you and what's going on for another person. Mm. And that means slowing down and getting curious about what it all means. And it's actually kind of simple, but it's also hard to do. Yeah. And you touched on this idea of, um, that came up previously. I was chatting with, um, Jamie Elizabeth Thompson, I think, and she had this idea of meta emotions. So there's the, there's the emotion that you're feeling, which might be sadness, for example. But then there's also the story that you tell yourself about that emotion, right? And, and so in your example, like jealousy is a, a quote-unquote bad emotion. So yeah, you're feeling jealous, but then the story you're telling yourself about that feeling is then piling on a bunch of other stuff. Person doesn't love me. I'm not worthy. I was never really loved mm -hmm. as a child. Yeah, the stories come up and they get piled on, and and then it actually doesn't become about the fact that my girlfriend wants to go on a date with some other dude. It's all these old stories that have sort of taken over because my girlfriend wanting to go on a date with another dude feels a lot like this other thing that happened to me when I was younger, which was. You know, mm -hmm. my ex-girlfriend sleeping with a best with my best friend. So they're two different situations completely. And I am, you know, 10 years has passed since then. But in the body, they feel a lot like the same thing. And so I'm going to ascribe the, that same situation to what's happening. And that's not really what's happening. Mm. So, yeah, our stories kind of take over. And we, that's when we need to be more discerning about what's actually happening. And is the, is the emotion, the reaction to the emotion, is it appropriate for the situation? Mm. How do you mean, is it appropriate? It's the question that my therapist came up with was how much and what do I do with it? Right. So when we're talking about anger, let's say I had a girlfriend who handed me, this is so embarrassing, handed me a Tupperware for a piece of cheese that I wanted to put away. And the Tupperware she gave me, I mean, to be fair, you'll, you'll probably think this is ridiculous. She gave me a Tupperware that was like way too big for the piece of cheese. It's like, why give me a Tupperware that's for like a whole pie when I want a little one for a small piece of cheese? And so I, I kind of just lost it. But that's because I didn't know how to deal with my emotions. And so like you were angry. I was so angry. I was like, what's wrong with you? How could you? Okay. To be fair, I was also like 22 years old and okay. I, yeah. And I was a drug addict and an alcoholic. And so I didn't know how to deal with life and conflict resolution wasn't a part of my vocabulary. And I just yeah. didn't know how to do it anyway. So I kind of blew up and Snapped. it's the Tupperware incident of, you know, 2000, 
2004. There was also a baguette incident of 2005. But basically, how much... Wait, it, hang on. Yeah. Hang on. What, what's the baguette incident? She wanted a soft baguette, and I wanted a crunchy baguette. <laughs> and like... <laughs> I was like, how could you pick that baguette? It's the same fucking yeah. argument. Yeah. Now I know, let's just get both the baguettes. You have yours, I have mine, no one gives a fuck. You know, it's like it's two dollars to yeah. buy the baguette. Anyways, how much and what do you do with it? Right? So how much anger and what do I do with it? So in that situation, the amount of anger that I felt for the Tupperware was disproportionate to the situation. It was inappropriate. Mm. And what did I do with it? I took it out on her instead of getting curious about why am I having such a strong reaction to somebody handing me a Tupperware that is obviously oversized, but that in of itself isn't worth getting mad about. So yeah. that's, that's the whole inappropriate part. Is mm. it appropriate? Is the emotional reaction that I'm having to this situation appropriate for the situation? And oftentimes it's not. It's an old story that's coming up about some other shit that's been unres that's unresolved. Hmm. And that's, so the, that's the work, is figuring out what the fuck is this underlying wound about, and that's where a therapist comes in. Mm. Yeah, my buddy Mark uh, Groves has this line of, you know, what doesn't get talked about gets talked about. And so it, it has nothing to do with the Tupperware or the cheese, right? It's some kind of deeper emotion or trauma or shame or maybe that was the final thing on a pile of internal stuff that you've been stuffing down that just erupted right and so now that you're a woke love guru uh and somebody again had to re if you re reliving that cheese experience like how would and you feel it coming up like what would you what would you do now oh uh Hmm. I would probably say I'm feeling something that feels way stronger than this situation calls for. And that to me means that there's something underneath this that probably has nothing to do with you. And so mm. I'm just going to go take a walk around the block. I'm sorry. I blew up about the thing. It's, uh, I regret, I regret blowing up about the Tupperware it's not about you. I need to go figure this thing out and I'll be back because I don't want there to be something that we can't talk about. I just, I can't talk about it right now because I'm, I'm too close to this situation and it feels too raw and it feels disproportionately raw to what, what just happened. So if you could excuse me, I'd love some space and we can come back and talk about this, you know, in like an hour or so. Mm. And I'll probably make a couple phone calls to friends and they're going to say, yeah, dude, this sounds like something else that we've talked about in the past, right? If, if I'm the only person that knows what's going on with me, then like I said, I have an appalling lack of perspective on my life and on what's happening. Mm. But if I have oftentimes men that are close to me because I'm a man, then they can reflect back what I'm saying and they can also make connections to stories that I've explained in my past. And that's why the, the relationship of a long-term therapist is great because they, they hold all those stories and their job is to bring them back and to make connections. But mm -hmm. a trusted friend that's good at active listening and that loves you and cares for you can hold that kind of space as well. But I just can't, it, it can't all end and begin or begin and end in my brain because I don't have enough, uh, there's no hindsight. 
Mm. I don't have enough space from it. It's like, you know, forest for the trees shit. Yeah. All right. You can't see the picture if you're living in the frame. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and we think we're right. And we think we're geniuses and that like we know it all and that we're these we're never wrong. Right. And because of that, I feel like we often just rely on what's going on inside our head as if it's some kind of honest gospel. And in reality, we make mistakes. We have stuff we need to learn. We're often incorrect. And I love what you just said about um, if I'm the only person that knows my problems, then I'm, I'm lacking in advice or whatever. But like, I think there's another side of that, which is if nobody else knows what's going on in your life, then you're, you're bottling that all down and you're keeping it in. And you're probably doing that because you're scared to let it out or there's shame going on or you feel guilty. I think there's real power in just voicing what's happening to you. Dude, shame is huge. Mm. Shame keeps us, keeps us isolated. It really does. And, and the more we talk about it, the more we realize that we all have it and that actually it can bring us together and it can connect because mm-hmm. we realize that it's a very common experience to feel shame about whatever it is that we're going through or how we deal with the situation. Yeah. And I mean, man, shame comes up a lot in terms of in my relationship with my therapist and she goes, yeah, it makes sense that you would feel that way because of everything you've told me. And she normalizes Mm. it and then minimizes it also because we explore what's so normal about that feeling. But there's something about shame that really makes it scary to share. We don't want, we don't want to share it because we think we're the only ones going through that. Mm. When in fact, we're all kind of going through it. We're all kind of ashamed of, of parts of our, our ourselves. Mm. Yeah. We all have our own stuff to sort through. It's, yeah. it's all, yeah, I don't know. It's, we all have our own stuff and it's all like, so not unique. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> like we think it's so unique and it's just not, it's just right? not. You're special. Like, you're special, yeah. and you're not. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, that would be a good card, Hallmark card. You're not, and at the end, in the inside, it says, but you're not. But you're not. You're just a. But g- I love you anyway. I love you anyways. You're just a garden variety human, yeah. with garden variety problems, and we're all going through it, but we don't talk about it, and so we we think that we're alone in our shit, and we're not. We're all kind of struggling. Mm. You don't look like you're struggling though. You've got my friend was like, man, that guy shits rainbows. <laughs> nonsense. I know it's nonsense because you posted a, a like an Instagram thing about how you were real struggling with like some new area of growth in your life, and how even yeah. even you struggle with shit. Oh, completely. Even the fucking and doctor. I, like I chase it. Like I chase the struggle because those to me are like the breadcrumbs towards personal growth and glory is like leaning into all that stuff. And you know, what's funny is, uh, I've heard this before. And every time I post something real and raw about me struggling or, you know, making a mistake or failing or whatever, I get all these messages from people that say, Oh, it's so good to see that you fuck up also. And, uh, and it's a real, lesson for me in the kind of content that I'm putting out into the world because 
I don't want to be that fake filtered Instagram influencer that's got the superficial fucking life of rainbows and unicorn farts and all that. Because it's not, it's not my life. Like, every day I'm confronting fear and shame and guilt and distraction and procrastination and self-worth and all of the, the whole suite of things that we are blessed to experience as human beings. All the stuff that you coach people on, man. Look at that emotional intimacy. <laughs> Is that what I was doing there? I mean, you have an understanding of, of the, the breadth of emotions that one can feel in one fucking day. Yeah. I mean, it's a roller coaster. Yeah, and like roller coasters make you feel really fucking alive. Mm. And that to me is living. Like, I want to, like, when we talked on your podcast, you said that you love heartbreak. Yeah. And I was like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Sir. People flip the fuck out when I say that. I really love So, why do you love, why why do you love heartbreak? Because it makes you, it makes you feel. It can't, it can't, you, Real heartbreak will fucking stop you in, in your tracks, no matter how much Netflix or ice cream or casual sex or drugs and alcohol you throw at it. Real heartbreak will fucking break you open and it will force you to feel. And I'm all about feeling feelings. And so anything mm-hmm. that makes you feel and stops you in your tracks and makes you realize that you're a human being and, and that emotions are fucking powerful. I love. And when you're broken open, to the heartbreak level where you're, you're feeling pain and despair and sadness and you just don't think you could fucking breathe another breath of that pain. You're also opening up to joy and bliss and happiness. And you can't have one without the other. You cannot. It's impossible. I dare you to show me someone who can only experience love and bliss and happiness and joy and heart orgasms all the time and also not be susceptible to pain and sadness and hurt and chaos and despair. Show me. I mean, I, I don't do I don't it. have any evidence. Of, <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I got nothing. The Buddhists <laughs> figured it out. You know, they figured it out. It's like may, maybe, right? It's not, it's not good. It's not bad. It's not love. It's not hate. It's just, it just is. This is the experience that I'm experiencing right now. Mm. No judgment. No judgment. Just this is it. That's all we got. That's all we fucking got. <laughs> and to, and like as a lazy human, it seems irrational to then be like, ugh, I'm feeling sad. I want to change that. Versus just feeling sad and being like, oh, man, I'm feeling sad right now. Yep. Still sad. Like I got so sad, Sean, in, uh, in the line at a taco bar once. I was looking at the menu and I just got this wave of like intense grief. And, uh, and I even caught it. I was like, God, what the hell is this? I was with a bunch of friends. I was in a taco bar. I mean, life is grand. And, uh, and rather than, I caught myself going down that judgment path of like, you idiot, what the hell is this? What's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? You're ordering tacos, right? And then instead I was like, I'm just gonna feel sad right now. And it was just gone. Like the instant that I decided to just feel it, whew, gone. And it, and I was like, what the hell was that? It felt like just a ghost, a cold ghost had just inhabited my body momentarily and then just departed. It was the weirdest thing. Here's the beauty about emotions. Yeah. Uh, when you feel them, they often move through you. 
like a cold ghost or like a warm ghost. But mm. they're temporary. All of them. The good ones and the bad ones. That's what some people mm. don't really... They really dislike this idea that, you know, this too shall pass is, is like kind of a great saying that I learned somewhere in recovery. Whenever you're feeling really shitty, this, this too shall pass, you know? Oh my God, so much heartbreak. The, yeah, this too shall pass. Mm. Also applies to quote unquote good positive emotions <laughs> I'm feeling so happy I'm in love with a new person I just got that job my car is pimping clean everything is so great this too shall pass all of it it passes if we feel it if we repress mm. it and we scroll past it and we pretend like it's not happening it's going to keep coming up it's going to keep coming up and it, they just really need to be felt they need to be given the space to move through us, to sit, to stay a while. It doesn't all have to be examined. It doesn't all have to be explained. We don't have to place any judgments on it, but we do have to feel them. And we do have to sit with them. And you know, you, you asked, mm. how do we do all that? And we have to slow down and we have to get curious. And we have to sit with our emotions. And that means sitting and not distracting. And that's uncomfortable sometimes. And so why do you think that emotional intimacy is so important to create fulfilling relationships? The more... You know, intimacy is basically closeness. Right? When you are able to be present for what is with yourself and with another person, you get closer. And I think ultimately that's what we all want. We want closeness. And there's a bunch of different ways of being close with people. Sometimes there's physical proximity, sexual proximity, mental proximity, right? Professional, right? Intellectual, emotional. So they're just different areas that in which you and I can become closer. And that's, beneficial in all relationships so sexual proximity may be not appropriate in a business context maybe not you know HR would frown upon but if we're talking about personal relationships then we're talking about spiritual mental physical and emotional closeness so it's one area that allows us to get closer and we're feeling beings um, that's one of our superpowers. We can feel them and we can also talk about them. We can explore them. We can be really nuanced about what's happening. And um, emotions give us information about the other person, about what they want, about, mm. about where they're headed, about what they see in the future, about what happened to them in the past. And all that allows us to understand our people better. Hmm. I want to build closeness and I want to build community. And I want to show up in a way that is nurturing for people. And I want people to show up in a way that's nurturing for me. And that means being able to talk about what's going on. And there's a lot going on. We're complex beings. And we have this amazing tool called communication and language. It's much more sophisticated than any other animal. 
incredibly, like exponentially more sophisticated. So let's use it to our advantage and let's, let's be closer to each other. I love that. I think another potential component of that is if you are, if you're hiding parts of yourself from the other, then you are preventing the connection between those parts, right? Versus when you're being radically transparent and honest and vulnerable, you're exposing more of you, yes, and that can be scary and and challenging, but on the other side of that, you're exposing those same tender parts to love and acceptance and connection, and so in that way, you are enhancing the the connection that you have with the other person. Yeah, and two things on top of that, we should be careful and we should identify people that we can be safe expressing mm-hmm. our emotions with and showing up more vulnerably with. Right? So, let's be more discerning about who we discerning, but my, my friend likes to say discerning. So, I've been using mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Who we get close to right and also when we display uh, acts of courage right so being vulnerable is an act of courage and being intimate with somebody is an act of courage somebody usually has to go first it's sort of like the question the the conversation around STIs someone's got to go first and when you go first you show the other person that it's safe for them to also follow suit so you empower the other person to share with you as well. That somebody has to go first. Someone has to talk about herpes first. Someone has to talk about their desires to deepen the relationship first. So that's an act of courage. But it also shows other people that, I mean, you're, you're essentially a, a role model. You're becoming a model for the kinds of relationships that you want to have. Mm-hmm. And that's what we need. We need more role models to show people that it's okay to talk about uh, your desires, your fears, your boundaries, your needs. It's, it's okay to say, I would really like to deepen this relationship. And that, that doesn't mean that you're needy. It just means that that's what you want. Mm. So yeah, it's an act of courage, an incredible act of courage. But also the more we do it, the more normal it becomes. And of course, you know, there are times when it's inappropriate to display emotional intimacy, like in a board meeting when your boss, you know, asks you why you didn't do the thing. And then you, actually, I'm not, (laughs) I'm trying to think of like an emotionally intimate response to why you, I didn't do the deck, you know, I couldn't come up with one, but it's about being discerning with, with your, Emotions, because your emotions are valuable things. You don't just go throwing them around everywhere on the street. Well, some people love to do that, and that's inappropriate as well. I call that mm. puking on my shoes. <laughs> it's like some, somebody walks up to you and they just puke on your shoes. You, 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 you'd be offended. It's inappropriate. Yeah. But if it's, yeah. a, it's a friend of yours that you love and that you've known for years, and they accidentally puke on your shoes because they drank too much, it's not a big deal. It's in the context of the relationship. It's relevant. But so, yeah, oversharing and puking on people's shoes, totally inappropriate. Yeah. 
Yeah, I like that. I like that analogy. <laughs> There's a guy who used to do that to, to me at work all the time. And, and me and this other dude were just like, God, he just keeps puking on our shoes. Yeah. And so we're not friends with that guy. Well, that's the really powerful thing about being an adult, right? Is you get to choose your friends. It's not like you're in second grade and you got 20 people in your class and you're trapped in a room with them for eight hours every day. You're a grown ass human. Like if you don't like somebody, you don't have to call them and hang out with them. Well, like that's okay. Act like one. Mm. Act like one. And, and there's a, you know, on my Instagram, I, on Fridays I give free love advice and someone said, I can't stop seeing this guy because the sex is so good, but I want more. And my response is, you can, you just don't want to. Mm. When you say that I can't do this thing, it's so disempowering. Oh, I can't, I couldn't possibly because the sex is so good. No, you don't want to. <laughs> right. So really what you're saying is I don't want to stop seeing this person and that's fine that's a much more empowering state is when you, you know, can't is I, I just, it's out of my control. Yeah. And anytime we stay in a relationship that is unhealthy for us and that is not at our service, that is a choice. So yeah, as mm. grown adult humans, we have choices and it's probably worth exploring why we make some of those choices sometimes. Cause we're probably not ready. Mm. And yeah, just that radical honesty that in some way you're benefiting from the things that you want to change right now. And the, and the huge difference between can't and won't, right? I think it, Lauren Zander pointed that out to me in our chat. Like, it's not that you can't, it's that you won't. Like, you could get out of bed in the morning if you really had to. You just won't. Like you, Unless you're clinically depressed. Yes, okay, asterisk. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so, or, yeah, again, yeah. clinically depressed or some some sort of disorder. But yeah, a little bit more personal responsibility would probably do us all w good, well. Mm. Oh, I I feel like if you could bottle it and sell it in a store, it would change the world in a week. You think that people would buy that shit? No. No, <laughs> we'd go bankrupt. It's yeah, the worst business. If, if we could sell it. I mean, if they can sell spin classes, man. Like, and like people buy cigarettes. Those things, there's nothing good about cigarettes. I, yeah. I, as a former smoker, I don't understand how I could have smoked for so long. I know that's the difference, I guess, between being in it and being outside of it. Like being outside of it. I'm like, you know that everybody knows that slowly and painfully kills you right and you smell bad and it's expensive <laughs> and it's expen it's super expensive too um i don't know if you're listening and you smoke cigarettes like knock yourself apologies to yeah i mean well no smoke them if you got them that's smoke them if you i mean if that's what you want to do that's cool i i get it on some level but if but, you say that you can't stop now we have a problem yeah, <laughs> yeah. because you can stop Actually, I've stopped smoking yeah. cigarettes. How'd you stop? Uh, I just thought that I was eventually going to die from it. And I didn't want to be that person that died from smoking cigarettes. Mm. Did you quit cold turkey or you had drugs or what? 
Uh, I like vaped and I chewed and I dipped and I smoked and I did. Ev- I just tried everything, and then after a while, I just I had to stop it all, and so I just stopped it. Yeah, yeah cold turkey, I guess is. And you said you've been sober as well for ten years. Eleven years, yeah. Congrats. Thanks. No drugs, no alcohol. Yeah. How's that feel? It's great. It's great. It's totally normal. It's the new normal. Yeah, I feel like sobriety's uh, becoming a thing now. Well, you know, AA started in 1939, so. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I get that. <laughs> it's always been a thing, but I mean, like, a thing thing. Like, it's sobriety's kind of becoming cool it's now. It's cool. Like, I feel like more and more people uh, are not drinking or they're they're reevaluating their relationships with drugs and alcohol and how it impacts their social life, etc. Well, you know, for me, it just changes my, it changes my reality. It just changes mm-hmm. my reality. And yeah. I've come to realize that I kind of like my reality. So mm-hmm. I don't really need to change it. <laughs> it's a cool, that must feel it's good. a cool reality. I love my life. I love my life. Yeah. My dog's right here next to me. I'm like, I got my hand on his, on his hip and he's happy. I'm in love. I'm building a business that helps people. I exercise. I eat well. Um, I have a pickup truck. That's so cool. I could sleep in the back of the, of my pickup truck. I don't ever have to like pay for a hotel room. It's the best. I rock climb. So cool. I get to be outside. This, This life is awesome. And sometimes it sucks. Sometimes, I, even despite all that, I feel really shitty about my life. Mm. And it passes. Yeah, and those shitty times, though, they teach you things, right? Every moment, every experience is a teacher. Yeah. And if, if it's not, then it's okay. The, that, that lesson will come back again over and over and over again <laughs> until I, I learn it. The, the universe never ceases to give me opportunities to learn. It will continuously place challenges in my life in the form of unhealthy relationships, bad business deals, <laughs> fucking really tasty, but f- uh, food that makes me feel bad after I have it, you know, nonstop. Mm-hmm. The universe is, is just there for me to learn all day long. Mm. Yeah. It's hilarious as well. Right. It's like, oh, you're going gluten free. And then you walk outside and there's some Girl Scout you know, boxes of cookies and cupcakes free. and stuff. You're like, free. 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sitting on, on the hood of your car. <laughs> Shit yeah. like that. You know, like I've got a client who, you know, the work is really to, to spend time alone. Actually, quite a few clients that, that really just need to be alone for a bit. And when they go, okay, I'm doing it. I'm going to be alone. That week, like seven people ask them out. That's just how mm-hmm. the fucking universe works. We'll continuously test you, especially when it's something that you really, really want and that you might really, really need. The universe is going to double down on the fucking tests <laughs> to make sure that you're really fucking committed to that next area of your, of your growth. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like tomorrow's the day I start training for the marathon. Up oh, thunderstorms. Uh, how bad do you want Your it? shoes disintegrate. <laughs> my shoes disintegrated <laughs> fucking universe right. now I gotta go buy new shoes uh, my car is yep. broken down like it, yes more and mm-hmm. more and more it's just about it's, it's all a test in how, how badly you want the things that you claim to desire it's beautiful 
Life is beautiful. It really is. Yeah, man. Hey, but uh, it would be irresponsible of me to end this podcast without going back to what we promised the people. The happy end. Well, let's let's end on a happy note. We got to give the people what they want, Sean. So how do we do this in a, in a concise way? I don't know what your, the constraints of your podcast in terms of time is. No constraints. Okay. What makes sense? What, how can I help? <laughs> well, talk to me about what it's like to be an erotic masseur. So I haven't done that in a while, but, but I had a period of a year in San Francisco where I was giving erotic massage to women out of my home and as my full-time job. And I kind of fell into it. I, long story short, was driving a taxi cab. That's where the love drive started. Oh, by the way, my podcast is called The Love Drive. My business is called The Love Drive. It started because I was driving a taxi in San Francisco. And I put cameras and microphones and lights in the back of the cab. And I called it The Love Drive. And when people hopped in, I would, I would hand them a stack of cards with pretty basic questions like, what do you think about having sex on your period? Or should prostitution be legalized? Or what's up with shaved testicles? And then we would have, I mean, this was five years ago, so I was, you know, just low hanging fruit. All that, all that stuff still lives on, on YouTube. That's where the love drive came about. But then after a year of that, my back hurt. I was a fucking zombie because I was working five nights a week, 5 p.m. to 4 a.m. And I just didn't want to do it anymore. I thought I wanted to go back to a tech job. So I applied to a bunch of tech jobs and one of them in particular said, we would never consider hiring you because you're a risk. We went and looked at all your stuff online and you're like a sex positive predator dude because I was making videos about shaving testicles. So I felt really fucking confused at where my life was heading. And now I was unemployable and I had some weird freaky sex persona online and I was like okay so I either whitewash my experience my whole online Mm -hmm. persona presence or I jump all into this sex love thing and one of my friends said hey you should be an erotic actually you should be a uh, an escort for women and I was like yes I'm going to be an escort for women and like turns out that's not really a thing it's a fantasy it doesn't really exist there's no market for it other than going and like hanging out in swanky hotel lobbies and hitting on older women dressed in a suit. And I didn't want to do that. And I remember that I had sex worker friends that gave erotic massages to men. And I thought, Oh, what if that service, what if that service existed for women? Where do women go when they want like a sexy massage? And I wondered, I wonder if women, when they go and get a regular massage from someone that they f- are attracted to, if let's say their, their massage therapist is attractive, do they ever wonder like, mm, I wonder what would happen if this massage went a little bit further? What if like, instead of just grazing my ass, he like full on grabbed my ass. And so I thought, Oh, there must be a market for this. And so I basically built a practice around providing loving and caring affection and touch and attention to women in San Francisco. I built a website and I started advertising on Craigslist and I started giving massages. And what started as an experiment and a way to make money and kind of something that I thought was kind of fun and interesting turned into me giving love and attention and care and compassion to women that didn't have it in their life. And I realized that there's a ton of people that are touch starved 
right? Mm-hmm. And that are lacking in intimacy. Really, it just came down to like giving massages to women in a really loving way. That that yes had a happy ending component to it. It's what you think it is. It's a massage with a happy ending. But it was more than that because it was incredibly healing for my clients. And we're talking about people that were widowed, divorced, in sexless marriages, for whatever reason, hadn't been in physical contact with another person in a long time. And so it was healing for them to have someone give them that kind of experience in a loving, caring, respectful way, very transparent, safe container, lots of communication. And for me, it was also healing that I was able to just like pour love into these women. And it sort of healed my shame about being a promiscuous kind of sexually dominant man. And I was able to just like give, 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 and they were able to receive, receive, receive. And it was beautiful and I did it for a year and I had to stop after a while because it was kind of fucking with my dating life and I wanted to, I wanted a relationship and it's like, it's hard to have a relationship with someone when um, they're giving all of that sexual and love energy to, to clients. I mean, there's just like, Mm -hmm. it's a finite amount of energy. Anyways, that's, do you have any questions? (laughs) I mean, yeah. I feel like I did a pretty good job of, of like giving you an overview of what that looked like. You you did a really a really good job. And one thing that just popped in my head was like this this sounds like a blog or a book or a TED talk or, or something. You know, have you written or talked about it extensively? I just recorded two one hour episodes on my podcast these last couple of weeks. So, um, on the Love Drive podcast, I gave erotic massage, and then. I don't really want to spoil it, but episode number two is I received an erotic massage. So I interviewed one of my past clients about what it was Mm. like to receive that service. And for her, she said that it was the massage that changed her life because she realized that she was getting the kind of love and attention and touch that she had always wanted. She was getting it from a perfect stranger, yet she wasn't getting it in her, in her, you know, intimate relationship at home. Mm. Well, it changed her life. It, she she like left her partner shortly thereafter the massage so i think it just speaks to the power of touch of loving touch and what that impact can have on people mm. so there's no ted talk but i just sort of went public with this i've been dropping little hints here and there but now with the with the two podcast episodes i'm going to be looking at writing um I don't know if it's a whole book, but definitely writing and speaking and being more, more out about this service and this impact and, and what, what it can do, what that kind of service can do in the world. Mm. I love it, man. That's cool. Thanks for sharing. Check it out. It's on my podcast. Hmm. Yeah. And I, I love the idea that, um, I mean, so you, you were giving this woman a massage and it radically changed her life and she had an epiphany that she deserved more and that she was worthy of this kind of intimacy and love and attention and that shifted her down this path towards making better decisions that are more aligned with those realizations. You just never know what you're going to cause in another human being. Like it might, 
it might seem simple or you might just be at work, but for another person in the right frame of mind at the right time, it can be radically transformative. More will be revealed. I have no idea what my impact is on people, right? I hope it's positive. Mm -hmm. I also have no idea how life is going to unfold. Mm -hmm. No idea. So if you break up with me, it's going to be terrible. It's going to be devastating. And I don't know how it's going to unfold. It's probably going to be the best thing that's ever happened to me. Eventually, when I get over it, years down the road, and I meet someone that's way more in alignment with me. You know, if that company had hired me, we wouldn't be talking. We wouldn't be talking. That woman wouldn't have had that experience. I wouldn't have a podcast on emotional intimacy. It's just, we just never know how it's going to unfold. It's, it's, it's beautiful and it's enigmatic and it's life and it's, it's fucking weird. It's just, it's just all steering us in the right direction. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe it's not. Maybe it's not the right direction. Maybe it it's is. It's steering us in a direction. But like it, at some point, like I um, I was on this walk in uh, in uh, where the fuck was I? I was in Swaziland, Africa, and uh, I was alone. And uh, I was in the middle of nowhere in this wildlife park or whatever, and I had a hand-drawn map, and I was completely lost after about 10 minutes. And so I spent maybe four hours wandering around a wildlife park, and I eventually came to a chain-linked fence, and I decided it was a good idea to go around that fence and outside the wildlife animal park. And... Uh, and did that for about a half an hour until I found a paw print on the ground that my brain told me was a lion, but my heart told me was perhaps a, a dog of some kind. Anyway, so I go back to the chain link fence. I go back into the wildlife animal park. I'm walking down this road completely lost, and the, um, the trail opens up into what looks like a cul-de-sac, right? Like the end of a street that's just a large circle. And it's a dead end. And I was like holy shit and I had this epiphany which was I can be completely lost and still be certain that I am not supposed to go this way right and so I turned back around and I went the other way and I eventually found my way back to where I started but that little moment has stuck with me that every no is leading me towards a yes in some sense yep. And that, like, I can be totally lost and still know a little bit of the way, right? My favorite part of that story is when you described what a cul-de-sac was. Yeah, I don't know. Is that, is it, <laughs> I don't know if that's like a, some people might not know what a cul-de-sac is. I feel like is it's, a, it's like it's, it's an everywhere thing. We kind thing. of know what cul-de-sacs are. But I love you're like, yeah, it's well. like at the end of a road, it's like a, there's a round thing and you can't go there anymore. Yeah. But it opened up because, like, the trail was pretty narrow. It was, like, four feet. I'm just going to keep digging myself a hole. With it's not a hole. It's not a hole. It's like a, it's like a, a divot. But it was, like, a four-foot-wide trail, and then it opened up into, like, a maybe 30-foot-wide circle. Like a clearing of some sort. Like a clear, like a cul-de-sac. <laughs> <laughs> 
Do you know what that is? Cold you know, sack? Uh, it's actually really funny. Cul-de-sac. <laughs> it's kind of weird. I mean, yeah. uh, C-U-L in French is ass. Okay. And sack is bag. So it's like the okay. ass of the bag. That's totally weird. Totally weird. <laughs> hey, man. Uh, we're, on that, on that it's, note. This is a really powerful way to end the podcast. Yeah, well, you know, we plan this very thoroughly. So this is what you get. Dr. Jeremy Goldberg. Brother, wait. Before you go, tell the people where they can find you. I know you do online courses. And we haven't really touched on that, but I definitely do want to make that known because there's somebody listening out there that maybe is really resonating with what you're saying. And they're like, I want to talk to that dude. I would love to pay him money so I could talk. The to love him. drive. Just Google it. Instagram, Facebook, thelovedrive.com. I, I dominate the SEO on the love drive. <laughs> Stop. There's a, there's an album by a band called Scorpion that's also called Love Drive. That has nothing to do with me. Okay. Uh, I have a group program on emotional availability starting next week, but in 2020, I'm going to be doing group programs on how to open your heart up to love, how to have exqu exquisite communication in your partnership, and another program on desires, needs, and boundaries. And I release my podcast every Tuesday. I have for the last two years. And every Friday on Instagram, I do free love advice. So you can just throw me a question and I'll do my best to answer it. And mm -hmm. I am here to help. And, uh, and if you want more of us, I was on your podcast like a week ago, which was towards the end of October. How to change, your, really how to change your life. Yeah. How yeah. to change your life with Dr. Jeremy Goldberg. I think you would really benefit from listening to this episode, Jeremy, that one that we did together. Yeah. I could learn some. Yeah, things. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta say that was one of my favorite episodes that I've recorded in 20 in 2019. Yeah. Awesome. Why is that? Dude, we're, we're a powerful duo. <laughs> it's, it's, it's synergy. We have a very similar sense of humor. I we feel. do. And we are greater than the sum of our parts. Yeah. <laughs> and I love your, I love your perspective on things. You know, how are you doing? You're like, man, I woke up today. Yeah. I don't do that. I wake up and I go, ah, my ankle hurts. Yeah. I'm actually trying to train myself to, uh, to like immediately my first thought in the morning, I want it to be like, fuck yeah. Or like, yes. Like, did it. Survive the night. Like, awesome. What? So. I mean, if you start with that, then, then you're winning. Yeah. 100%. You're winning. I want to start by winning every moment. Like, I want to start each day with a winning thought and, like, enthusiasm and zest. I can't wait for us to eat a meal of food together <laughs> in the same place at the same time. Well, I have to come to Mon Montreal. Montreal. Well, yeah, I live in Montreal. Yeah. Or I'll come to right. Vancouver. Yeah. Cool, man. Um, thank you so much for who you are, what you do. I, uh, it's an honor and a privilege to know you. I'm proud of how far you've come. You are a fucking inspirational human. And uh, I'm excited to see what's next for you, man. Keep me in the loop so I can help support. It's, uh, I'm grateful for the opportunity and I'm grateful for the role that you play in this world. Thank you, brother. Yeah. This was fun. Let's keep winning. Let's just keep winning.
Even when we're losing. When we're, when we're losing, we're winning. Thanks. Okay, well, let's just just leave it at that. Thanks, and, man. Uh, and if you're listening, well done in surviving this. <laughs> cool, dude. All right, brother. Thanks so much. Man. How do you feel? I feel like a million bucks. Did we? Did we? Did we kill it? I feel like there's blood on the walls. <laughs> there's bodies in the kitchen. There's just carnage everywhere. It's good, right? Isn't that fun? He's so hilarious and wise and thoughtful and sensitive. I feel like that dude is living a whole life. Do check him out online at The Love Drive. You can listen to our podcast conversation on his podcast at The Love Drive. It was the end of October that we had a chat about how to win at life, how to live well. It was hilarious and random. I think you'll really dig it. And do check him out online at The Love Drive. He's on Instagram. He has group coaching. He has individual one-on-one coaching. If you want to dive more into the emotional wellness space, he's your dude. Good man, kind heart. Again, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate your support for the work that I am doing, and I appreciate you sharing it and telling other people about it because that helps me raise my impact and be of greater service to the world around us. So thank you for the five-star reviews. Thank you for sending it to friends and family that might benefit from this conversation and the lessons contained therein. (sighs) And just thank you for being you. I appreciate you. I adore you. I think you're fucking great. And I'll see you in a week with my voice in your ears is what I mean. Okay, bye.